The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. At that time, Jesus came to Jericho and intended to pass through the town. Now a man there named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector and also a wealthy man, was seeking to see who Jesus was. But he could not see him because of the crowd, for he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree in order to see Jesus, who was about to pass that way. When he reached the place, Jesus looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down quickly, for today I must stay at your house. And he came down quickly and received him with joy. When they all saw this, they began to grumble, saying, He has gone to stay at the house of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Behold, half of my possessions, Lord, I shall give to the poor. And if I have extorted anything from anyone, I shall repay it four times over. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a descendant of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save what was lost. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. So over the past month or so, we've been taking this look at generosity, and specifically the generosity of our God towards us, and our thankful response back to Him. And my, my hope and prayer is that over the last few weeks, we ourselves in our own lives have, have grown to be more generous. And we've dealt a lot with, with parables, these teachings of Jesus presented through different stories in order to tell the truth. However, this week we get to enter into the story of Zacchaeus. Not another parable to teach the idea of generosity from a philosophical perspective, but a true story of a man who encountered Jesus and afterwards could never be the same. Now, Zacchaeus wanted nothing more than to see Jesus. Perhaps he heard about his miracles and his his teaching, and so Zacchaeus is drawn towards him. And it's not hard to imagine because Jesus is at the, the height of his popularity at this moment. He's near the pinnacle of followers. And so Zacchaeus climbs a tree along this route that Jesus is taking. And it's probably worth mentioning that such an act to climb a tree like this would be highly dishonorable for such a distinguished man or, or a rich man of the community. But his excitement is so great, he doesn't even care. And then the strangest thing happens. Jesus is, is walking along the route and people are following him. And you can imagine people are, are pressing in on him and, and surrounding him. And, and the roads are lined with people who, who are trying to just get a glimpse of Jesus, just like Zacchaeus. And then he stops. And he turns to the side and he singles out Zacchaeus and he says to him, before this entire crowd, Zacchaeus, come down quickly for today I must stay at your house. Over the past few years, we have had the privilege in Elkhart to host both our current and our former president. And both times, it was amazing to see how people would, would line the streets if only to catch a glimpse 
of the passing motorcades. You know, we would take pictures and videos of all these dark black cars driving, driving by us. I mean, what an honor that a place like Elkhart, a little community like ours, would have the privilege of, of hosting the, the man who holds the highest office in our country. Now imagine you standing outside waiting for that motorcade to pass and you're standing there with maybe your kids next to you and you're, you're waving your little American flag and you're filled with excitement and, and you're telling them this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to see black cars drive by you. And these things don't happen every day. And, and you're looking off in the distance and you see the lights coming and you're getting, you're getting excited and the anticipation is growing and the, the cars start zooming by and, and then they don't. They stop. And one of those black windows slowly rolls down. And there's the president. And he says, hey, Christopher, hurry up. I'm coming to stay at your house tonight. Now, I'm sure that moment would have a lot of thoughts running through my head. Like, do I have to feed the Secret Service too? Because <laughs> that might change the menu a little bit. Uh, why, why would he stop for me of all the people? All the important people he talks to on a daily basis. All the things that occupy his busy time. I never think myself so important that he'd come and dine with me. Who am I? I mean, what an honor. What an honor that Jesus bestows upon Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus doesn't welcome him in with, with anxiety or worry or fear. He welcomes him in with joy. And this word joy is so critical to our understanding of generosity in and of itself. You see, it can seem a little pushy that Jesus invites himself into Zacchaeus's home. But it's actually an incredible act of generosity. And this is what I mean. The Talmud, which is, is the book of, of the teachings of the rabbis throughout the ages in Jewish history, is quite clear about what it would mean to dine with a tax collector. In fact, it's fascinating. Tax collectors have their own section in the Talmud. They're singled out over and above other people. Now, tax collectors in first century Palestine are different than what we would consider an IRS agent today. These men were self-employed. They would work on behalf of Rome. And their payment then came from the collection. So Rome would say, I need you to go to Bob's house and I need you to collect $100. And he would go to Bob's house and he would say, okay, you owe $110 on your taxes. You give 100 to Rome. He'd take 10 for himself. Now, typically, a tax collector, if he had come to family and friends, might cut out his commission portion and just give them the straight fee. But then you better watch out if he doesn't like you or even is just indifferent towards you. He's going he's gonna to get his cut some way or another, and he'll probably just raise your rates a bit more. And that's how tax collectors worked. So tax collectors in the Talmud are lumped together with thieves. It's very interesting. It says, if, if a thief entered your house, wherever that thief walked was considered unclean. And the same with a tax collector. If a tax collector enters into your house, where he enters in becomes unclean. In fact, if he enters into your house, all your food, all your liquids, and all your, all your things in earth and jars and pottery, unsealed, are all now unclean. Your couch, your seats, and your sealed containers of pottery are fine. That's how specific it gets. Unless the tax collector sits on your couch, and then that's unclean too. And so... 
A tax collector was seen as this unclean person. Entering into your house would make your house unclean. They were so disregarded by the people of Israel that the Talmud instructs the Jews that they cannot even take a mon- the money of a tax collector for charity. Their money was no good for charitable causes. And if Zacchaeus would be so unclean that to enter a Jewish house would make that house unclean, then to enter his house would make the one who entered it unclean. You see, Jesus is humbling himself to enter the house of an unclean man that none of the other Jews would want to touch. And those who are watching are grumbling. They're angry. They can't believe Jesus. Jesus, who just not too long ago in Luke was talking about how when you invite people to your party, you should invite the people who have nothing to repay you. Invite the poor and the homeless and the hungry so they can't even think of repaying you. And here Jesus is snuggling up with the sinner who has a bunch of money. It looks a bit hypocritical. And they grumble and they, they say, he entered the house of a sinner. What they're saying is Jesus is making himself unclean. But here's the beauty of Jesus. When, when Jesus enters the house of a sinner, see, this is how the Jews saw it. If, if a clean person came in contact with something unclean, the clean person would be defiled. But Jesus, when he, the purified one, enters into a house that's unclean, he purifies the house. Jesus doesn't enter Zacchaeus' house because Zacchaeus is rich. Jesus enters his house precisely because he's a sinner. And Jesus' great act of generosity is entering Zacchaeus' house to purify it. I mean, we may think to ourselves, who am I that Jesus would want to enter into my house? Who am I that Jesus would want to enter into my door? I'm a sinner. Yes, that's precisely why he wants to enter in. I mean, think of your house. Think of all the sins that have been committed within those four walls. Think if the walls could talk, what would they say? None of us want that. The secrets they could expose. And Jesus enters into our homes not to condemn what happens in those walls. Perhaps even more personally, Jesus enters into our hearts. Not to condemn what happens within those walls, but to purify them, to cleanse them, to forgive them, and restore them. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. There is more rejoicing over one sinner who repents than 99 righteous people who have no need of repentance. There's rejoicing for the one lost coin that was found that the angels in heaven themselves are singing the praises of the righteous and repentant sinner. There is great celebration. There's a feast thrown in the name of the son who was once thought to be dead and is now alive. And Jesus wants to come in to your homes and into your life and into your hearts. He wants in. And he wants to be generous with his, his love and his mercy. And he wants to be generous with his salvation, with all the treasures of heaven. He wants to come in and he wants to, to fill you to the full. And Zacchaeus is so moved by this moment of Jesus entering into his house that he stands up and he, he proclaims, Behold, half my possessions, Lord, I give to the poor. And if I extorted anything from anyone, I shall repay it four times over. 
I can't help but wondering how Zacchaeus got into tax collecting. You can imagine a Jewish man extracting money from the children of Abraham on behalf of their enemies. It was a less than respectable job. But there's a curious phrase about Zacchaeus in there, that he was a man of short stature. And it's entirely possible that Zacchaeus was a dwarf. He was a small person. A person who would have been rejected by his peers. Perhaps tax collecting was the only way to make a way for himself when people would have nothing to do with him. At least money he could maybe buy some friends. Or at least he could offer himself some securities and pleasures in this world when no one else would want anything to do with him. And so his money was more than just a comfort. His money was his identity. It was all he had to protect himself from a world that would have nothing to do with his kind. And so when he says, I'm going to give half my possessions away to the poor, let us not misunderstand how important money would have been to a man like Zacchaeus, whose very safety was tied up in that, whose very identity was was tied up in his wealth. He's not saying this to impress Jesus. I think he's honestly moved because of the joy that he experiences in his heart as he received all that Jesus had to give him. It's just joy. It's so much joy that Zacchaeus is transformed from I need more. I need more to to provide myself what I want, the pleasures of this world, the experiences of this world, the security of this world, to I have enough. It's contentment. I have enough. I mean, how much do we really need? I mean, the amount he gives away is spectacular. Half his possessions to the poor. And then after that, after that, He goes to repay those who he wronged fourfold over. For a seasoned Christian who believes that tithing is the end game, this this 10% of all we have, and then we debate, is that net or gross? Zacchaeus just blows that out of the water. Now, on the other end, we could compare Zacchaeus to the rich young man who Jesus says, give all you have. Sell all you have and give it to the poor. I mean, why doesn't Zacchaeus have to give it all away? It's because the young rich man sought to justify himself by his generosity. Zacchaeus isn't trying to justify anything. He's simply responding with thanks for what he's already been given. He's not trying to impress God. He's just giving thanks to God. And Jesus doesn't tell him how much to give. He doesn't prescribe an amount. We do this all the time. How much do I have to give, pastor? How much should I give? With high school students, they ask me this question in their relationships all the time. How far is too far? And I look at them and I tell them, that's a horrible question. That's a horrible question. Because what you're asking is, what can I get away with? What can I get away with? How much bad can I do before it will really upset God? And so I tell them, instead ask this question, how can I honor God with my relationship? Changes the way you think about it. It changes the way you live. How much do I have to give, pastor? It's a bad question. It's asking, what is the bare minimum I have to get away with to make God happy with me? God's already happy with you. He's already pleased with you. You're his son. You're his daughter. He made you. It's not not about making God happy. It's about giving thanks. How much? I, I don't know. Jesus doesn't tell us. We know that if you, want to, if you want to justify yourself 
before God on your own, it has to be 100%. But otherwise, all we have are examples of people who are moved by God's generosity. A widow who takes her two last coins and puts it in the, in the offering at the synagogue. A, a man who collects taxes, who gives away half and then pays fourfold back. You ever think about that? Almost all the money he got was from extorting people. How much more did he have left if he already gave away half and then was paying back 400% on what he wronged people? I mean, I can only imagine how much he had given away. But what I do know, what I do know about Zacchaeus and what I do know about us is that whatever he gave away was nothing compared to what he received that day. It was nothing. These people have one thing in common that they chose how much they gave out of the thankfulness of their heart. And it was a sacrifice because it forced them to ask the question, how much is enough? Do I have enough already? Because that day, Zacchaeus' life changed because salvation entered into his house. And that same Jesus desires to enter into our houses to bring us joy. He wants us to have Joy. Joy. I, 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 want, I want you to do something I did with my confirmation class on Wednesday this week. Close your eyes. Close your eyes, everybody. Close them. Don't fall asleep. Close them. And I want you to think for a second of the most selfish person you know, most self-centered person you know. Okay? It shouldn't take long. Now, I want you to write that name on a piece of paper and hand it to... No. No. Hopefully, hopefully it's not your spouse. If it is, we can talk. Um... How's that person's heart? Would you describe them as a happy person or miserable? Now I want you to think about the most generous person you know, the most generous person you know in your life. Are they happy? Are they happy? Okay, open your eyes. Have you ever met a truly miserable, generous person? We were made to give. We were made to be a gift. And it brings us joy. Let us not cut ourselves off from the joy Christ has intended for us. He wants to dine with you today. Zacchaeus, Christopher, Bob, whatever your name, come down quickly. I want to dine with you today to purify and to make whole our very lives. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.